Here we go with the John Curley Sherry Ellicker Show. Greg Tomlin in for Sherry. Thank you. You can write to us at mynorthwest.com, although Andrew says no one does. Or the Makosu Casino text line at one 76 All welcome. All right, get away. I'm diving in. Diving in. Diving in. Diving in. All right. Well, um, last time... Donald J. Trump was elected. 200 protesters were arrested. Uh, they dropped the charges on all of them. Uh, six police were injured. Stuff was set on fire. They burned up a limousine. They smashed a bunch of windows. They beat up anybody that had a Trump hat on. It was a mess. And then people screaming and yelling, resist. Ah! Famous meme of that woman screaming down there at the Capitol. <clears throat> so, piece in the Wall Street Journal today, Greg says, uh, um, they need to get some things in order because if Trump wins again, they're going to need to have the National Guard ready to be able to restore order in cities across America because, you know, with the peaceful exchange of power and, of course, democracy being on the ballot, people that have a problem with democracy will be setting things on fire and assaulting police and um, injuring individuals as well. So, this piece in the journal, did you get a chance to take a look at it? I did, and there's a lot of weeds to get into here, and a lot of this might bore listeners to an extent. Oh, that's all right. But, uh, John, looking ahead to the election in November, don't you kind of approach this uh, crucial day when we all make it out to the polls with a bit of a pit in your stomach? Um, and we can relate this to what we saw in the Michigan primary yesterday. I think that state could go by a razor thin margin. There's going to be a lot of swing states that are very crucial to whoever wins between, you know, the candidates Biden and Trump, who are the yes. leading candidates at this time. But I, I get rather worried. And this whole exploration of the Insurre- Insurrection Act, which is a collection of statutes enacted between 1792 and 1871. Right. Um, it, look, it, it, the crux of the matter is the term insurrection, rebellion, domestic violence, among others, is as yet undefined. <laughs> and a Supreme right. Court decision handed down two centuries ago leaves the act's interpretation, which is really what this is all about, an application in... The president's hands. I'm reminded of a quote, John. I came ready today, all right? Nice, I know you did. Our first vice president, our second president, John Adams, once said that our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. So what happens to a society, uh, what happens to America when honor and virtue go out of style And in large part, it actually has in the last few decades, in my opinion. So, uh, again, we can talk about the law, the application of the law. What do words mean? Are we textualists? Is part of this a living, breathing document? Or is it just words on parchment at the end of the day? The point of the matter is, um, I think I looked upon presidents conceding that they lost an election in the past as a trivial matter, and now I look at it and I go, that was a profound act um, of a loser in a, a general election. And I, I don't know if whoever wins, whoever loses in November 2024 is going to go quietly into that good night. And mm-hmm. all bets... But rage, rage, rage against the dying of the light. Yeah, I mean... Dylan Thomas. But okay, let me go back to, let me go back to the pit in your stomach. Okay, please. So, so as you take out your black pen and fill in the little dot there right sure and you drop it in the mail 
Whee! And then you wait. You're, you're waiting. You're waiting, right? And then on this Tuesday evening coming up, whatever, I think it's the 7th or the 10th of November, whatever the date is going to be, mm-hmm. as you watch and, you know, at this point, NBC will call Pennsylvania for Donald Trump, right? And you're like, oh, boy. But and wait, there's more votes to be counted. There's more votes to be counted, right? And then Nevada and then there's in Colorado. These are the ones that are so uh, always on the fence on this. And then he gets either Minnesota or Michigan as you do the numbers. And at this point, with 274 Electoral College votes, Donald J. Trump will... At that point, you'll hold your breath, knowing um, that it is to come, and and then and then yeah. how does your how does it how, what is the emotional change between that, or and then Joe Biden will uh, maintain the office of presidents as Pennsylvania goes, and how how do you feel about either one of those? I see the trend over the last couple of years being between the two parties. One party says to the other, I see you're crazy and I raise you. Yes. <laughs> and so we, we break norms every few months and we go, OK, that precedent has just been absolutely exploded. So I guess our party can start doing that now. And and which party is the biggest offender to date? Um, again, look, this is getting into the big picture, 30,000 foot view of this. But again, John, I think we're so fragmented as a society because every algorithm on social media or the YouTube app that you frequent or however you in, in, uh, encounter your smart tablet or touchscreen in this day and age, it centers on what you have a proclivity towards. So we're all experiencing reality differently, right? Yes. So right. if Trump wins in 2024... I think the left is going to raise hell. Do I think they're going to riot and storm the Capitol? I, I'm not yeah. so sure. But Trump. Wait, 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 yeah, why, wait, why? Why do you think they wouldn't? Uh, well, they haven't before. I mean, in terms of the presidential election and the aftermath of it. I mean, we didn't see broken well, windows at the Capitol and going on into the Senate chamber and the House chamber. And no, 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 no. When 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 he was sworn in, the day that he was sworn in, who Trump? Trump. Okay, in 2016. Sure, I'm, I follow. So 200 people arrested that those were able to catch. The city of uh, Washington, D.C. had to write a check for $1.6 to people because they got tear gassed and stuff. But there were riots in the streets of of, um, of Washington, D.C. There were others. They thought there would be some riots in Seattle mm-hmm. getting ready for that. But most of the shenanigans were happening there in D.C. So it and I think there'll be riots. The question is always then. Let's assume that the Supreme Court says, yes, all stands, and then that's all set. There's no other. They both go through. You're going to have those on the right think there's no way Joe Biden gets 81 million votes, right? So folks on the right will be saying that. People on the left will be saying it's fixed as well. So there will all there will be great conflict. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what institution the American people can point, can look towards to say, when, when what institution tells everybody to calm down, it's okay to calm down. There, right. there isn't any, right? Well, because it's you, John, you are the institution. No, I'm not the institution. I think you are. I no, think I'm are. living out here in Cleella. <laughs> I am the law. I'm no, you said, you've said it before, and, and you said it very recently in the last couple of weeks. Like, hey, whatever the result is, just accept it. Let's let's be Amen. let's be human I about this. Law. You know what I mean? And, and I think people, when they hear you say that, it means something to them. But when they hear you say, "Oh, I did, there's going to be riots, no matter what happens," that like that puts everybody. No, in a I do warning. believe. No, Greg, do you think there's going to be riots? 
One to oh, ten, man. ten being absolute certainty. I think so. I think that's why I have the pit in my stomach, John, because I th- there's the potential for this election to be even closer than the last one. And Trump already says he won by a record margin in the last one. So if he tightens that number at all, if January 6th was just the beginning, I shudder to think what could potentially come next. And uh, a lot of this goes back to the undermining of our institutions. I said in the first hour, we should all be institutionalists. I don't know how our institutions regain the American people's trust, but I know it's a bad thing when leaders who are most prominent in their party constantly say, don't trust either the other party or don't trust uh, our intelligence agency or don't trust the vote counters. Then again, we all bets are off for but the do, future. Do and try, that really worries me. Do you trust the institution? Generally, yes, I absolutely John, do. John, do you? Which which institute? I mean, which ones? Right? <laughs> I mean, be if, specific. If you're gonna vote, if you're gonna if you're gonna take the time to vote on November seventh or tenth or whatever it is, you, you're basically saying I trust that this this counts, right? And we're all oh, gonna I, vote. I I think that during I think in two thousand I think in twenty twenty there. They made exceptions to the general rules, the laws, take Pennsylvania, for instance, where how ballots are counted, they sort of went outside the Constitution of Pennsylvania and they allowed them to come in later on. So they certainly made it uh, extremely easy for people with a D voting for them. I'm not saying that it was corrupted in any way. I'm just saying it was bent in a particular way to allow more votes to come in. I'm not like Donald Trump who thinks he won 60-40 or something like that. Do I trust which institution in particular? Do I trust the Supreme the, Court? The vote count, I, the the verification of yes, votes. Yes, I'll uh, give electors. you that. Yes, let's just let's assume let's assume that there's some you know nonsense that goes on. But generally, yes, I do. Well, it's also it's the Electoral College that does the voting on the thing. But yes, I believe I do believe in that. So you get the 272. You're in. There you go. But the leader of the Republican Party says, don't trust what you see with your own eyes. Trust me. I am the ultimate arbiter of truth. And whether I get shot down in court over 60 times or not, I am saying that I won. And he's dominating in these primaries. And so, again, unless he wins outright by a rather large margin, um, he'll say he won. If he loses, he's going to say he won. And I don't think his followers, his ardent uh, most filled with fervor followers are going to backtrack from what they established on January 6th. I think that only intensifies from here. That's why I get that pit in my stomach. That's why I truly worry about what is about to unfold. And I approach this season with great trepidation. <laughs> and I think it's warranted. I, I truly do. So. Yes. When at the end of the Civil War, right? Here we go. And we have. Well, because no, I like this. I like this. Somebody had to sit down. So Jefferson Davis and Abraham Lincoln and the idea that, OK, you have been defeated. And Jefferson Davis gives it up and says and, and then also calls all the Southerners that were continuing to fight to lay down your arms. Generally gives his sword to Grant at Appomattox. He's not happy about it, but he does it anyway. He's not happy, but 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 at that point they say, OK, it is over. We both have suffered on both sides, mm-hmm. but it is over. And, and now we move on from here. 
as they begin to understand about how the United States moves further to the West uh, to understand where slavery will or will not be. And it, it is over. The, the fight is over. The great battle. Right. And you just read the words of the Gettysburg Address. And, and you understand how both sides suffered, the country suffered, but then we need to heal, move on. And then how the, the, the South was rebuilt and then what goes on from there. The problem with this election is how does peace, how do you derive peace and who determines that someone has gotten something over something else? If it's going to be this battle in the streets, and God forbid it is that, that, you know, people take up arms against one another. For what end? And what are you trying to gain? Are you trying to gain the power, your territory? Are you fighting for something? You're fighting for land? What are you fighting for? You're fighting for what? Truth or justice? Well, that could be determined by anybody's sort of reality. Determined by, as you mentioned at the very beginning of this discussion, what social media are you reading? Mm, right? Mm -hmm. That the average person under the age of 40 consumes 1.5 <laughs> minutes of news a day. And they get yeah. it from social media. They get it from That's TikTok. They get it from China. TikTok. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. So what would we be fighting for? Mm, power. Well, when you fight for power, it's a, that's an... Man, because you never lose the power of somebody. You're taking power from somebody, and if power is limited in, in scarcity, and you can't create more of the power, then everybody's fighting for more power from something. Uh, I don't know where you and who comes in to find the peace. Are we bringing in the National Guard to bring peace? Are we going to start shooting at one another? Are we going to have it uh, back to the, the college campuses, right, um, where the National Guard came in and shot those students in Ohio? God, I, I hope not. Well, I, I think it starts by all Americans, left, right, and center, saying this country remains the last best hope of Earth. I mean, right. just uh, Thomas Sowell would always say when, when judging a situation, you have to say compared to what? And America right, is still that shining city on a hill. But in order to maintain that, um, it's going to take an effort of people of all political stripes. Uh, though passion may have strained, it must not break our bonds of affection, John. That's all I'm yeah, saying. That's yeah. original with me. And and think globally, but act locally. <laughs> Who wrote that, Biden? <laughs> yeah, there you go. The mystic chords of memory. In the no. in the think globally, act act locally concept, like we we do have a bit of a responsibility to say, listen, yes, we still trust that as fractured as our system is, but we're going to go into this with the you know we're, we're, you know may the best man win, and let's all act civilly when when these results are. Revealed. Here's the one thing I think we have going for us as a population. Um, the one, the one thing that unifies all of us is comfort and consumerism. I think we're far mm. too lazy to, to break yeah, out into, to, to, to like, I don't want to give up my uh, time with my 4K TV and myself, and I get to eat out a couple times a week and, and drive a nice right. car to work. And most people and, don't want to take up arms and yeah. go into the streets. No. We just want to be safe and have families and live happily. And, and you know, the loudest, but, most squeakiest wheels get the most amplification I, the, on these albums. But the exception to that is sometimes there's a pivotal moment where thousands of people gather and when you have groupthink and mob mentality take over that's when things can really get out of hand and sure. deteriorate fast because people are not thinking on a rational sane level when you get big groups of people together agreed right there was nothing rational in a chant so the assuming it is the small minorities on the far right and the far left those are the that will be where all of the the maelstrom occurs but for everybody else that doesn't necessarily care that you've got a bumper sticker that is counter what their bumper sticker is. You're not going to see those people, you know, taking up arms against each other. Um, but it will, it'll, 
how you bring peace back and somehow stop the the fringe that that will be creating such mayhem in the streets. You know, one part of me wants Trump not to win unless Trump is able to lose and say, you know what? I lost. There's no he way. has to be the one. No he has way. to be the one to say, listen, I lost. We tried. We didn't win. Guys, stop. Which he should have done much sooner, as soon as he saw all the stuff oh, that was happening there at the Capitol. So you got to be the bigger man on this one. We'll be all right. I think we'll be all right. Look at all you. Right. A little dose of optimism yeah. at Come the on, end. Baby. Let's do this. Look at Joe. Wow. <laughs> He's Joe We'll be fine. Whatever. We'll be good. Thank you, Craig. Don't forget Bucky's. Bucky's Auto Service Centers with 16 locations. Been around for 53 years. That's the place to take the car. Well, tomorrow it's going to be raining and 44 degrees in Olympia, but that's not going to stop Tracy Jefferson and everybody else that's going to be gathered there at the Capitol to make her voices heard because you want to do everything you can, Tracy, to make sure the legislators know that changes should be made to the Keeping Families Together Act that was passed in 2022 uh, because you, unfortunately, have been keeping track of the body count from the actions from the actions of of the Keeping Families Together Act of 20, uh, the 2022 law that was passed. So tomorrow the rally takes place because what do you need people to know? I think our biggest opportunity right now, John, is we have to get this out in front of the public so that we can put more pressure on Olympia to make a change. What's happening right now is not okay. Um, we have kids dying, and the body count, like you said, is, is tallying up. Even before House Bill 1227, uh, there were 85 kids that died in 2022. 85 and another 60-something near fatality reports reported by the Ombudsman's office. One of the things that has been said as I followed some of the testimony about the bills that would make it better as far as fentanyl and synthetic opioids go, some of the testimony has said, well, where's the science? Well, we have years of data and ample data before House Bill 1227 that said kids were dying. So in light of this data, Tracy, and nice to meet you over the phone here. This is uh, guest host Greg talking. It seems like this is more aptly named the keeping dysfunctional and sometimes dangerous families together. But what is the formidable argument on the other side? Um, And what what do you say to it that uh, advocates for keeping this in place, given the numbers you're pointing out? Well, one of the arguments for keeping it in place is the risk of trauma to children by removing them from the home. And we absolutely agree that removing children from the home is traumatic. It is more traumatic for a child to die and for that family to never be together again. Mm. We have a recent story that came out from a foster family who reached out to us after our last rally. There was a 14-month-old child. 14 months old, born with drugs in their system, and has already suffered three drug-related exposures since they were born, requiring them to receive hospital and emergency care. One of those times, the child almost died and had to receive Narcan and oxygen, and the child was sent back home within about two weeks from their third removal from care. There was a four-month-old twin 
with Down syndrome who was returned to a homeless shelter before they could even finish having their full evaluation for their complex medical needs, including an evaluation with neurology and cardiology, sent home to that homeless shelter and was dead within two months from drug ingestion. Probably the case that shocks the conscience of the court, I mean, as horrible as those are, a homeless drug-addicted man is given his child, his baby, his three-week-old baby boy, returns back to the tent that he's living in, and eventually the police find the child dead, um, still in its car seat under a bunch of bushes. But uh, under the Keeping Families Together Act, you're not allowed to judge that man because you're judging his home by this by your standards when who are we to say that that's not a caring loving person and even though he's dealing with drugs and he's addicted he has told the court and told the state that he's not going to be high when he's caring for the child so then the state says well that's okay you're right who are we to judge it you know a a tent or a car can be just as good as somebody else's house and by those standards you know might be sort of white privilege or something that's not fair to do so it's better to take the child from foster care a loving caring foster care family and give it back to a drug addicted man who's living in a tent under a bridge because that's better to keep that kid in that home so now that child is gone and the list goes on. You had mentioned I'd seen the statistics that you think since this thing had passed, eighty about eighty-five children have already died. So, how does uh, DC uh, YF how how do they justify this, or, or how do they look anybody in the eye and say, "Yeah, this program is working as we expected it"? Well, I don't think DC YF, at least not the frontline social workers, are saying that it's working as intended. Um, I think that they feel right now that their hands are tied by this law and by the increased burden of proof that they have to make a parent in court that says that the trauma from removing the child is worth it compared to the trauma that the child might experience at home. So the bill requires that they prove imminent physical harm. Unfortunately, when you're talking about a lot of these scenarios, the imminent physical harm is happening when the child dies. Yeah, and it it seems like a very fundamental role of government is to protect the most vulnerable, and that's just not happening here. And and Tracy, I'm a sucker for an origin story and what motivates people. So there are some people who want to save the whales, some people like helping the homeless, uh, others advocate for the unborn. In your case, I'm really curious, uh, what first kind of drew you to helping foster kids and what continues to motivate you to work on their behalf today? So my husband and I decided to do foster care to help keep siblings together and help support families who needed it so that they could be safely reunified. We were also prepared to be permanent options for children who needed it. What really started opening up my eyes was as I got further and further into this and connected with other foster parents, I started hearing the stories. Parents being allowed to transport their children during monitored visits while they're under the influence of marijuana. I mean, we have laws in our state that say it's dangerous to drive your car under the influence of marijuana. Yet while these kids are considered um, 
dependents of our state, which means all of us are responsible for them, according to the laws. And we're letting them break the law. We're letting them, and none of us would buckle our child into the car of somebody who was under the influence of drugs or alcohol, yet while they're dependents of the state, we're saying that's good enough for them. That's okay. Mm. We're saying that you can use heroin in the morning and the other parent can use heroin at night as long as somebody's relatively sober to care for the child and you guys keep a schedule, that's okay. As long as you put your fentanyl into a lockbox, that's okay. I think the part of the bill that's missing is that when you're using these substances, you are not in a logical state of mind, and you're not going to keep track of time. Uh, There was a three-year-old boy who died in 2023. There's 18 hours of time that the mom cannot account for what happened to the three-year-old and the one-year-old because she was sleeping. When when a parent, using the term loosely, <laughs> says to the court, um, yeah, I'll, I'll get high in the morning and then my boyfriend or father of the child will, he'll be sober in the afternoon. The court says un, under this Keeping Families Together Act, okay, that sounds like a good plan. Well, I think what's happening is the parents are not coming up with these plans, but because of the pressure to keep kids at home because of this house bill, the Keeping Families Together Act, the state is being forced to propose some form of a safety plan, and that's the best that they can come up with. And so we're forcing these parents who aren't ready to parent to try and parent with what we say is a safety plan, even though DCYF already has staffing shortages and can't adequately monitor these. How often does race and come up in this? How I often does race come up in this discussion, Tracy? How often do the to, some, to a lawmaker say, well, we, you know, it's important to keep the child, depending on the race of the child, with the, you know, the parents rather than to go to a foster care house where the race might be different from the from the baby? So the advocates for this bill say that they wanted it in place to try to address disparities for children being removed due to poverty and to help address racial disparities. And so uh, do I have this correct? The rally is going to take place tomorrow on the steps of the Capitol from 4 to 5.30 p.m.? That is correct. And that is being led by an organization called Light the Way. Uh, They plan to have shoes children's shoes sitting there at the steps of the Capitol to represent every child who's died. And we Mm -hmm. hope that we can get some public support. We hope that we can motivate our lawmakers to make the right choice and realize that this is a nonpartisan issue. We, it is our job as the grownups of Washington state to keep these kids safe. We have passed legislation that say chicken, the eggs need to come from cage-free chickens. And it's time to call out that we want kids to be free from harmful situations. And Tracy, is this at the raising awareness phase of potential change here? Or how imminent would some of these changes be? We are trying to raise awareness to make imminent changes. Mm, Okay. All right. Well, um, Ms. Jefferson, thanks for spending some time with us. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. You're welcome.
tomorrow. Uh, by the way, put up on MyNorthwest.com. Find out more about the rally or any way that you can support. Um, good luck to everybody down there. This is tomorrow at the Capitol. I don't know where you found this story, Joe, but this is one of the weirdest ones we're going to do in a long time. Not saying Charlton. <laughs> you and your sick mind. Yeah. Very sick. I mean, even if it's like an old show from the 70s with even Columbo couldn't figure this one. Hardcore band Leona Fire vocalist over alleged scheme of secretly dosing bandmate with estrogen. Huh. So this huh. is apparently a Nashville hardcore band here, and their lead singer was named Diego. And yes. he had the hots for his best friend's girl, right? Right. Apparently. Yeah. So he was all this time, right? <laughs> he starts secretly dosing bits of estrogen in some pre-workout drink that his bandmate uh, takes, and all in the hopes of turning him into a girly man or something, so his girlfriend would leave him and go towards a lead singer. And the reason we know that this happened is apparently there was a drunk confession that Diego made, uh, but all of this was posted on social media and then quickly taken off. Uh, something about that sounds illegal to me, John. <laughs> the person who was sipping all these secret doses of estrogen was racking up hospital bills and his practitioner was confounded about why certain things were happening uh, like to his body months, right that he was doing it dosing him for yeah a long time yeah. a long time and again we wouldn't have known any of this information had the lead singer not confessed to it they kicked him out but i think that's just the beginning of his troubles probably here <laughs> i would hope so <laughs> now that's love yeah, I mean, you can hear, like, well, you know, he cut the guy's brake lines or, you know, killed the person or something else. People go to war, right? Um, the, was the, the beauty that, you know, sailed a thousand ships. You know, you can go to war against the try to get the oh, yeah. heart of one woman or something like Helen that. Helen of Troy. I mean, there you go. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Thank you. There you go. So in this case, so it's going to I'm going to make that guy really, you know, not as buff and strong and not as masculine. And then, so then the girlfriend is going to have to go, Ugh, I don't like him anymore. I'm going to leave him and then date the other guy? Yeah, so I guess the lead singer is Achilles and mm -hmm. uh, Hector is the boyfriend. Right. If we're going to extend the Iliad analogy. Well, and John, okay. correct me if I'm wrong, but <laughs> hormones are not cheap, right? I don't know why you're asking me. <laughs> yeah, John, you would know. <laughs> I mean, come on. These, these things no, are these they're not. thousands well, of I don't hours. know where the guys, I don't know where he's getting the estrogen from, but right. good Lord. I mean, that's a, listen, you could write a whole song about that. We got to do that. John's been microdosing testosterone. Am I wrong? I think that's uh, No, good. I've been wiping it all over my body since yeah. 2000. Oh, that's a pretty picture. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> my doctor's like, you know, normally a man your age, you know, with testosterone supplement, you should be, I'd like to have you at 600 to 8, 600 to you know, 530 to 680. I was like, oh, okay. So where am I? Uh, you're at 1380. Attaboy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dana. Get him. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes is right. Oh, well, it's okay. Uh, so I guess we'll update as more details. Oh, emerge. of course. Yeah, we'll yeah, lead okay, with good. this tomorrow for sure. Oh, on that one, yes. <laughs> that one. Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. And thanks for outing me, Joe. Huh?
Jack told me to make fun of your steroid use before the show. Actually, he not told steroids. Greg. Things. He was very adamant about that. Make fun of John. I said, me yeah, never. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. You're coming back tomorrow, my friend.